0: What's up, everybody? This is Full Draw Friday, episode number 38. Going to be a little bit different of an episode today. Still going to do our segments, but instead of the article segment this week, we got a guest on. His name is Corey Haas. He's the owner of the Bow Shop Bible app. He's talking about all things bow tuning. We got into some hunting-specific tuning stuff, arrow setups, broadheads, all that kind of good stuff on that segment of the show today. So really excited about it. We're going to get into a couple other things before that. Before we get into any of it, though, don't forget about our partner on Full Draw Friday, and that is Rodney Hawkins. If you guys are looking for a piece of ground to manage and hunt, Rodney's the guy to talk to. He grew up hunting and fishing in the Southern Illinois area, and now he's putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. Midwest Farm and Land isn't your average real estate company. They sold over $85 million worth of ground in 2022 with agents like Rodney all over Illinois. They're really a local company with a national reach. For more info on them or any ground that may be available or getting yours listed, you can contact Rodney at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. He's also got his own company called RG Outdoors. He's currently got products from Radix Hunting. He's got Camo Dust, which is an all-natural scent elimination product, and he's got Tacticam Trail Camera. So if you guys are interested in any of that, make sure you go to his Facebook page, RG Outdoors, where you can send him a message, or you can contact him at RGOutdoors at Yahoo.com, or just call him directly at 618 925 3153, and you can get in any of the stuff that he has in store. Also, our social media is Rich Hunter Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram. We do have a private Facebook group, RHO Podcast Patrons, for exclusive content. And when we do have guests on, when I have enough notice, I can put them on there so you guys can ask them questions specifically. We're going to have Corey back on, hopefully, in the springtime, so if you guys have questions from this episode or later on, you know, about bow tuning or setups or anything like that, I'll give you guys a chance to ask him directly, and, and I'll ask him on the podcast for you. But that was, that's what that group is good for, the RHO Podcast patrons group. RichHunterOutdoors.com is our website. We do have apparel on there. We've got food plot seed. We have our all-natural scent products, the tarsal sprays and the calming spray that will be available after the first week of the season. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Leave us reviews there. That helps us out a lot. YouTube subscribe like all that stuff we're getting really close to the new show that's going to be coming out uh, the second week of the season the beginning of the second week into the first week I guess I should say Um, I'll have more details on when that's going to drop first episode and how it's going to go schedule as we get closer but if you guys want to be the first ones to see it go to YouTube Ridge hunter outdoors and subscribe to our channel. Also, if you're on the website or richhunteroutdoors.com and you see something you like, use the discount code FULLDRAW. That's all caps, no space, and you get 10% off everything in your first order. All that said, let's get into a really good full draw Friday. A special guest, Corey Haas, on this episode. Mm-hmm. All right. so our first segment, as you guys know if you've listened to the last few Full Draw Fridays, is the deer activity segment. And right now we're seeing the deer that are starting to disappear or maybe reappear. Maybe you had deer on camera last year that you didn't get all summer, now you're starting to see them on camera again. Or you had deer on camera all summer and now they're starting to disappear. They are falling into or are falling into their fall patterns and that's where you're going to have to relocate those cameras potentially and go find them. Or maybe you, you already have them in those places, and now your cameras are starting to get more active. And you're just going to see that continue to increase over the next couple of weeks until they start opening up scrapes really big in the pre-rut. Then you can move your cameras on there, and you'll find more bucks. But as far as the activity update goes, it's going to seem like there's less and less of it. But as October gets closer and as it rolls through, they will be more active in the daylight. Every day they're going to be moving more in the daylight. It just might be closer to their bed. So you might have to adjust your cameras, get them closer to those beds to get the bucks that you're wanting to see. In the legislative news for this week, I saw a post. Actually, Nate had showed me a post where a guy that was doing the drone deer recovery had talked to an officer with the IDNR, and he told him that it is illegal to use drones for deer recovery in Illinois. Now, there's been kind of some debate on that, and it seemed like it was a kind of a subjective thing depending on what game warden you talked to, whether it was legal or illegal. But this guy had stated that he talked to one. He told him it was illegal to use those in Illinois for deer recovery. So, you know, that might change some things if you were planning on using that this year um, as a backup to not being able to find your deer. Who knows what's going to happen with that in the future, but I thought that was interesting. There's nothing, um, there's nothing I guess, black and white still on it. This is just kind of hearsay. It was a Facebook post, but I did think it was interesting. It was worth noting. You probably see some more stuff coming out of that. In the near future, as that gains more popularity, drones are getting used for more and more things. It only makes sense that people are starting to use them for recovering deer, especially the thermal drones. But it's going to be whether or not Illinois decides it's legal or illegal and puts that in black and white one way or the other. I would say that's soon to come. So, onto the hunting strategy segment for the week. This is going to go right along with the guest we got on, with what Corey's talking about, and that's shoot your bow. We got a week till season, basically, just over a week until the season starts. You need to be locked in with your equipment, know where you're shooting, know what your effective range is, and we're going to talk about a little bit of that with Corey. But get out there and just shoot your bow. Get those reps in, make sure everything's locked in. That way, something he said that you're going to hear here in a minute, you want to eliminate your equipment as an excuse for why you either made a poor shot or missed a deer. So part of that is just getting out there and shooting, and now is the time, especially if you haven't started yet. Hopefully, you've been shooting your bow already. If you haven't, you got ground to make up, This is the week to do it. Don't wait and go sit in the tree stand without having shot your bow or the day of shoot twice and call it good. Get those reps in, get that practice in that way. When it comes down to that last moment, when you're drawn back on that deer, you know the bow is locked in and it's where it needs to be. And that's not going to be an issue for you. So all that said, we don't have a question for this week. And with the guest on anyway, I think that's, he's going to cover a lot of things that people might have questions on anyway. So we'll roll into the conversation we had with Corey and then we will get out of here, get into the weekend, and we'll see you guys on Monday. We got Corey Haas here from the Bow Shop Bible app. Uh, how you doing today, Corey?
1: I'm doing pretty good. You?
0: All right, man. Getting getting closer to season here in Illinois. So uh, we're getting excited about getting out there after him.
1: It sure is. Yeah, it creeps up uh, quicker before you know it. Yeah, I got to get out and do some preliminary stuff in the woods yet. But uh, look, looking forward to it big time.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where we're at, too. I got I'm just now getting my cell cameras all reset up to get them put out. And then, uh, I got a couple of stands left to hang. So I'm running out of time, but, but I'll get them done. So before we get into too much though, I want to get kind of a short background on you. And then, like I said, you got the bow Shop Bible app now, but I want to go back and then how, kind of, how did you get started in archery in the first place?
1: So we were at the Des Plains conservation area up here by the Joliet area. We're doing a pheasant hunt and, uh, my dad's best friend he found an aluminum arrow with a razorback broadhead attached to it and back then us kids rode in the back of the truck they they, they had a cap on it but that's where the kids rode back then so mm-hmm. on that whole ride home i did nothing but study that arrow and i'm like man this is like nothing i've ever seen before i really want to learn more about it so i got into archery then and by the time i was 15 i had my first setup to where i could actually hunt and uh, have been hunting ever since so About 32 years uh, in in the tree, really. And I've been doing competitive off and on since about 2005. And I'm really getting more geared up for that this indoor season. So hopefully going to be able to compete with the big boys pretty soon.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what kind of got you into the the competitive field? Was it just uh, an itch to do something a little different with archer? You just loved shooting so much you wanted to do that. How did you kind of get into that?
1: Well, I've always been competitive, uh, raised a baseball player and hockey player and just that competitive drive. Uh, once mm-hmm. I found out that there were 3d shoots and indoors and all that stuff, I wanted to see how good I could do at it. Cause I, I felt I could shoot pretty good. So it was, it was a real good test. Um, so yeah, I mean, back then I'm fortunate enough to have the at archery club nearby and, uh. I met some really good mentors there that, you know, kind of taught me things that nobody else would learn um, without mentorship like that back then. I mean, the internet wasn't uh, what it was back then, what it is today. Mm -hmm. So it was very nice of me to have those guys that took the time to explain things to me and whatnot. And that kind of like moving forward and into the Bow Bible, that's, Kind of like the the drive behind that is to help expedite the learning process. Uh, for those who aren't fortunate as I was to have those mentors, it's all right there at your fingertips and uh, definitely expedites the tuning part part of the, uh, yeah,
0: the for, equation. For sure. How did you kind of get into all that side of it with the tuning and, and all the little intricacies of that? Was that because you started shooting competitively and you just trying to find out how to get that edge or uh, just kind of becoming part of your equipment, I guess, and seeing how you could get the most out of it. What kind of, what kind of, uh, tripped you into that stuff?
1: Well, I'm going to have to blame that on Bowtech. So <laughs> back, back when I started shooting, I, I, I got a 2002 Matthews conquest too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And i was shooting that for some of the competitive things, but then I wanted to branch out and, you know, see what other hunting bows there were out there for 3d and whatnot. And I ended up, uh, Getting a bunch of different bows, but one of them was the Bowtech Allegiance. Uh-huh. Um, this was the first year that they came out with the binary cam system,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know I'm husky built and fairly strong, especially back then. So I got an 80 pound version of the Allegiance, and I couldn't get that thing to shoot a good rip through paper to save my life. And that's when I really went down the rabbit hole on tuning and mm-hmm. what makes things do what they do. Um, and I tried everything and anything only to have that bow sent back to bow and they sent me out a tribute to replace it they they owned up to it and said that yeah that one was a lemon um try this tribute out but that's where i learned all the different you know aspects of tuning and stuff um so that that boat kind of kick-started it and then as i got different boats throughout the years you know i started getting into the Shimming of the cams, yoke tuning, and the other uh, parts of the setups that affect the Euro flight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was pretty much it. And I just, you know, I I developed such a passion for it back then because I saw myself getting more and more accurate. And I tell you what, nothing to me as as therapeutic as sh- shooting a bow for an hour or two. Mm-hmm. It's just really soothes the soul. I think Fred Bear had a quote, uh, nothing eases a troubled mind like sh- shooting a bow. And that's, that's what it was. And, you know, as soon as you start getting good at it and start doing competitions and placing well, then it just gives you a little bit more drive to, you know, push further and further.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of truth in what, you know, that quote you just said there, that's the reason kind of, I love bow hunting so much. And I actually don't, part of the reason I don't gun hunt anymore is just, shooting the bow, that part of it, not only like when it comes down to the moment and you're shooting at the deer, but the fact that you have to get out there and practice. So it, it almost like makes me make time to shoot my bow when otherwise maybe I wouldn't as much. And I just enjoy doing it so much. So that's a, that's a big part of archery hunting. And I assume that it's that way for a lot of people.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there, there are a lot of factors that go into a successful hunt, but, uh, being comfortable behind your bow and being capable Um, well, like the main point is being able to eliminate your equipment as part of the reason why something could go wrong. That's what I tell people. I, I say you owe it to yourself, you owe it to the animal that you're hunting Mm -hmm. to get your equipment as dialed in as possible because during the moment of truth, there are factors that come into play. I mean, one is the equipment and the tune, tune job done on the equipment. You know, another factor is your form. Yep. Uh do you have sound form? Are you executing the shot well? Are you having you know, cause that affects aeroflight as well. Mm-hmm. And then and then the third one well, I say three out of four. So the third is the decision making out in the field. So when do you take that shot? Is that animal broadside? If it's quartering towards you, is that a good choice to make? Right. And then the fourth one that really goes unadvertised is um did you clear your shooting lanes? How's your stand set up? Cause you could mm-hmm. have all the other three factors. Absolutely perfect. You could be shooting, you know, half dollar size groups at 60 yards. But if you didn't take the time to get on the woods in September to make sure those shooting lanes are cleared, then it might all be for not. And that yep. happened to me a couple of years back. You know, I had a pretty good buck. It was probably up in the, uh, I'd, I'd like to say one sixties, one seventies. And yeah, I seen him, it, it, it was pre-rut-rut. I mean, he mounted a doe right in front of me. I I was respectful, I let him finish his business. He walked <laughs> right. up yards and he stopped and I took the shot. I had the GoPro running and I hit him high and I'm like, what happened? It ended up being a loin shot. He didn't react to the shot. I know my capabilities and I know I could beat their reactions out mm-hmm. to about 35 yards at my speed. Mm-hmm. My effective yardage is 35 yards and closer, um, and that's actually a calculator inside the BowShot Bible Lab. You can put your arrow speed in. It'll tell you, based off of research and the speed of sound and the animal's reaction, how far, per your arrow speed, can that animal be out there before they realize a shot has taken place. This is an alert deer. Right, right. Um, they realize the shot's taking place, gravity kicks in, they drop down, they load up on them back legs, and mm-hmm. they bound forward, right? Mm-hmm. So I knew I had all my bases covered there. Right. But what had happened was I hit a quarter inch diameter branch. Yep. And it was just enough to deflect that arrow up. And I I never did did find them. And it it really sucked, but I have nobody to blame but myself because I didn't put the time in, I didn't go out there, I didn't look at all the possible shooting lanes, and I didn't make sure that Every little branch was clear, and I did not see that branch, and that is what happened.
0: Yep, like you said, it doesn't matter if you're driving tax at sixty yards when you hit a branch; all everything like that goes out the window. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that is such a big factor, and you don't have to be an, an Olympic archer to clear a shooting lane, right? At all. Right, right. You, know, you just got time, in and it, and it's always good to have to have a buddy with you. Get up in the tree, stand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Okay, walk, walk to your left. Now back up a little bit. Grab that sapling right there. Okay, cut it. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. But yep. times press. Sometimes people don't don't make the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there's, I'd say a good number of people who probably just climb down out of the tree for the last time last season, and they they never go back until the first time they're going to hunt it this season. And then you get up there and you can't shoot anywhere, or you think you can, and then something like that does happen. But uh, when it comes to shooting lanes, yeah, I, that point you made there i always try to go with somebody else just for the simple fact if you can make them be the deer and you can see things that you may not have seen before if you have them walking down a trail you think the deer is going to be on or even somewhere you think they just might be and then they might see something that you can't even from up in the tree like uh, at a certain angle looking up they might see something different even from what you're seeing it's just that's a big help when it comes to that stuff and it is so important
1: oh yeah
0: i want to i want to talk a little bit about uh, the setup, kind of, we'll talk Midwest whitetails. So, um, you know, the, just the general average whitetail in the Midwest. Uh, what kind of setup? We'll go um arrows and broadheads first. Like, is your preferred, or maybe it varies depending on the bow, you know, and the poundage and all that. But what um what kind of setup are you running? And then I guess that's probably your preferred. But what what would you like to see more people utilizing over some of the maybe misinformation that's out there?
1: Yeah, so the most important thing is arrow flight and having the bow tuned. And the reason that is, is because A, it helps accuracy, mm-hmm. but B, it, it, it helps penetration. If your arrow is purposing or fish handling in flight, it'll twang out the kinetic energy as it burrows into the deer, and you might not get the penetration that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main thing is, having tight pins uh because in the moment of truth um you should have three things with you every time you go to three your your bow your release and a rangefinder
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that rangefinder doesn't get tucked into my pocket until i'm ready to you know clamp onto the d-loop draw back for for that shot mm-hmm. um but sometimes when we range like a clearing uh, they might not always follow that path to that clearing so they're they they instead of being a 30 yards they might be a 34 right they might even be closer the tighter your pins the more room for error you have with uh mm-hmm. yardage estimation so to me if If you can get up there speed-wise, you're going to beat their reactions. And hitting an animal that is not tense or starting to move is like shooting a beat-up old block target compared to a brand-new Reinhardt target. Right. It's going to be easier to pass through. And we're not shooting for the shoulder. Um, We're taking good broadside shots right behind the armpit there, Mm -hmm. right at the intersection of the heart heart and the lungs. Um, So that is... uh, that's that's one thing to look at. What are your speeds and can you shoot quicker if possible? Mm-hmm. So arrow weight affects your speed. Mm-hmm. Now, in the Midwest with whitetails, um, I believe if you're shooting 65 to 70 pounds or higher, then you're absolutely fine with a mechanical broadhead. Right. You should have no problem passing through. The toughest thing that you should encounter is two rib bones mm-hmm. and then the organs which are between the ribs right Uh, if you don't hit that then you hit a little far forward and if you hit back if you don't beat their reaction and they bound forward then you may encounter liver guts etc so um that is what i say for 65 and higher poundage wise anytime you get below 65 and i haven't done the testing on this but i plan on doing it one day i plan on actually measuring the resistance deer's body, I'm talking hide, rib bones, organs, rib bones, and hide. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going with lab radar and chronographs. I'm actually going to be able to measure the resistance and actually tell people what they can shoot at different poundages. But right, right. now, before that is done, that's what I rec- recommend, 65 pounds and higher. You're okay with a mechanical. Anytime you go below that, you might want to look at a fixed blade broadhead because I've done extensive testing back in 2018. On 11 different heads and one of the tests i did was a pierce test and i lowered a drum onto an upright uh, broad head i did it upright so the mechanicals could deploy and i measured how many pounds it took to pierce that fabric
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was pretty surprising how many pounds it took to deploy let's say a schwacker right um grim reaper versus Like a Grim Reaper Micro Hades Pro, which is a fixed blade, really sharp head. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, if you're below that, you might be able to use that advantage of piercing kind of a target with the fixed blades. Now you're going to sacrifice the cut factor. Mm -hmm. You might get an inch and an eighth diameter cut versus a two inch cut, which is a big deal. But. It's always nice to get a full pass through, so the bloodletting, which was another test, can take place. So the deer is able able, able to bleed out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If, if you hit them kind of high and you don't have a pass through, that that blood will pull up, and it's going to make your tracking job really, really tough. Yep.
2: yep.
1: So that's uh, that's where I stand on the broadhead choice. Um, 65 pounds and less, um, I would consider a good fixed blade. 65 right. pounds you have absolutely no problem with the two blade rage. Two blade rage is my favorite. Mm-hmm. We lose eight pounds of, um, you know, kinetic energy. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that, let's just say it took eight pounds to deploy the two blade rage compared to the Schwacker it was like 26 pounds. Wow. A, a lot of the fixed blades were right, right around a pound. So you do lose a little bit of penetration going to a mechanical. But the advantages of the big two-inch broad cut, especially with white-tailed deer going through solely ribs and organs, right. is, is well worth it. Now, you go out west and you elk hunt, you got a different story. When mm-hmm. I go out west, I'm still shooting about 315 feet per second. And the arrow that I shoot is, hell, the spike elk I killed was with a 393-grain arrow. But I did have a fixed blade on it. Right, And he was kind of quartering away a little bit. And I did uh, bury it into the opposite knuckle of the shoulder. And I don't care what you're shooting. You're not going through that. right? But but it definitely got the job done. And that was also a situation where I ranged him at 35. But I had to put the rangefinder down. And he kept walking. And Mm -hmm. by the time he stopped, I wasn't quite sure where he was. But my pins were tight enough to where I was still in the vitals. And he lived for another 14 seconds and just went, went, went down. Right, And he went... 80 yards or so that was it was a great
0: hunt yeah yeah that's what you're looking for on that for sure so you're you're looking at when it comes to the mechanical versus a fixed blade is having enough kinetic energy to make up for whatever um, you are losing when it opens so that's where you that's kind of why you're looking at 65 pounds or higher on a whitetail
1: yeah yeah and 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 I know that a couple experts in the field, Joel Maxfield for one, I mean his his wife shoots mechanicals at a far lesser draw weight and they've had tons of success. Mm-hmm. But just to play it safe and you know, I sixty five or less until I do the experiments, I'm gonna say, you know, if you're under that 65 pounds it might be worth your time to get good with the field or the uh fixed blade broadhead but i mean experience is going to tell all i mean if you're shooting 60 pounds and you're ripping right through them mm-hmm. with uh, fixed blades okay maybe try 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 mechanical and see see how that reacts i mean if you're hitting them if your accuracy is there and you're not hitting the shoulder and you're you're good with your uh point of aim then try, try a two blade rage until I have those experiments done. I can't say for certain, but just, just cautious. I'm saying, you know, 65 pounds and up are definitely a green light for like a two blade rage.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably a pretty fair assessment. And obviously you'd have more experience with it than I have. Um, I've shot, you know, my fair share of deer with both fixed blade and mechanicals and I've killed deer with both and I've lost deer with both. And really, in my experience, you're going to be, you have more room for error forward with a fixed blade to a certain point. I mean, there's certain certain shots, certain angles that you shouldn't be taking anyway, um, and you're going to have more room for error back with the expandable. But I do believe that, exactly. I do believe that you have a better chance forward with a mechanical than you do have back with a smaller cutting diameter fixed blade. If that makes sense, to uh, to efficiently kill the deer and recover it. They, yeah, they I mean, might both die, but when it comes to recovery, I think that's the big thing.
1: As long as you're not hitting the thickest part, of the shoulder bone or like a knuckle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I I have shot deer through the scapula, the scapula with with the two blade rage, and had absolutely no problem. Right, right. But you you are spot on. If you're shooting a tooth of the arrow or a slick trick, and you hit them in the liver or you get some guts, yeah, good good luck because right. you have very small hole going through it mm-hmm. versus it's like a two-inch dagger or, or I say it's like would you rather be stabbed with a one-inch dagger or a two-inch pirate sword I mean the pirate sword is gonna leave a gash yeah and the more you could tear up the better and when you do hit them back further yeah the two-inch cut of a mechanical is definitely gonna help out
0: hmm so what are we looking at you know you, you said you shot that elk with a 380 was a 383
1: grain uh, arrow 393.
0: Okay, 393. So what are we looking at um on your setup for whitetails uh total arrow broadhead and everything um what kind of weight are you looking at?
1: Yeah, so Maxima um Maxima XRZ. Mm-hmm. It's the Red Zone arrow. It's the XRZ Select is what I use for both elk and whitetail. I I shoot the same arrow, the same exact weight, 300 okay. and not, 93 grains. Uh, The only difference is the choice of broadheads. Right. Uh, Yeah, so I killed that elk. um, And then a month later, I killed a real nice uh, whitetail up up here, a big old buck, and had no issues with either one of those.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, But one of the main things that people don't understand is um, the Aeroflight with the broadhead attached. So there are couple different schools of thought on it but my research has uh ended me up with the lipstick tuning process so like the old school way is to dial in your broadheads to match the point of impact with your field points right and, and that is doable okay so but most guys when, when when they shoot their field point and then you know shoot the broadhead they're, they're going to see a difference of, of point of impact then they could adjust their equipment to have the points of impact be very close. Um, so, what I did is I did just that, and then I took the broadhead arrow and I put it through paper. I knew my field point was perfect, perfect bolt hole. Mm-hmm. What I did then is I did my lipstick tuning technique before I even knew that I was going to call it that. I took some lipstick and I put a little dab at the tip of the broadhead, dead center, mm-hmm. and then I traced the edge of the veins. And I said, okay. They're hitting at the same spot at the range. I want to see how the actual arrow flight is. So I put that broadhead arrow with the aid of the lipstick through paper. And what the lipstick does is it helps you to see exactly where the center of your knock end passes through the paper in relation to the center of your broadhead.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I noticed was even though I matched the point of impact at 20 yards with my field point, that broadhead flight was not desirable. I had a low right tear, about an inch and a half. And I said, well, why is that? Well, then I came to realize, well, anytime you put wings on the front of the arrow, it's actually a different arrow. So you might as well paint it a different color. It's going to react differently during the shot, Mm -hmm. okay, because there's a lot of left to right movement during the power stroke um, of the shot and some corrective kind of like fishtailing bends when it Mm -hmm. leaves the string. Um, and when you put blades on the front of it, it resists the the air and it's going to fly differently. So with the aid of the lipstick, I then tuned my bow to where I had absolutely perfect broadhead flight. And when you do that, okay, you get that done at about 12 feet. Of course, get an old beat up block target or something like that, that you can put a broadhead in because broadheads are not very easy on targets right right once you get dialed in at like uh, 12 feet which is the distance that i determined to have the maximum rip then back up to 20 feet or so just ch- check them in two spots just to make sure that it's 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 perfect mm-hmm. and once you do that you are going to see tighter groups with your broadheads you're going to see increased penetration better distance i mean it, it's going to raise your game big time and very few people do that and that's why i'm proud to have that um Lipstick tuning in the tuning section of the Shop Bible app because that's going to help people out. And that also completely destroys uh, certain influencers out there that sell tip replacement kits Mm -hmm. as like the means of tuning their equipment. Right that just throws that right in the garbage because okay, so what you're doing with tip replacement is you' you're changing the resistance of that arrow. You're putting more mass at the end of it right. And that's gonna, that's going to change the bend of the arrow during the power stroke. And you you may find a spot or a tip weight that gives you the best reaction. And that's what these inf- this one particular influencer is really pushing and selling. But the thing is, is these, these guys that are new to the sport or even guys that have been shooting for a long time but just buy into it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they, they, they go with that. But once they put a broadhead on, and a lot of these guys are shooting like iron wheels or some pretty um, ag- aggressive heads, right? once they put that on their arrow, then their tune is out the window because they just changed the arrow completely, like I said, painted a different color. Yep. And now, you know, if they don't know how to tune, they're going to have erratic broadhead flight and they're, they're going to need that to be a quote-unquote plan B arrow, and they're right. going to need it to 700 grains, 650 or higher, mm-hmm. because, you know, they, they might not hit where they were aiming, right. or right. with extra weight, they might, they might not have been inside that effective yardage to where the animal does react, and they hit it, well, they shouldn't hit it in the shoulder. Most times deer are going to bound forward,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but if they're just a lousy shot, and then right. they're they're gonna need that weight to try to penetrate something. But yeah, that's I think that's fading away. I think that guy's fifteen minutes of fame has been drawn out too long. Yeah. Um, but the way I explained it with the um with the recommendations of heads and having tighter pins and doing the lipstick tuning, I think that's gonna set you up for success more than any tip replacement thing from some guy that doesn't really even know much about tuning. Yeah. So that's that's why it's important to learn how to tune your bow because when those guys do put the broadheads on, getting back to the tip replacement guys that buy those kits, mm-hmm. then they're 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 back to erratic arrow flight, and now you have to tune your bow. So if you have to tune your bow, why not just start off with the arrow exactly. you want to do yep. and learn how to tune your bow and get that perfect flight from the get-go? Shoot a plan A arrow. Yeah. Don't worry about a plan B.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like anything else, you know, if you want the actual good results, you're probably going to have to put in the actual good work to get them. Um, And like what you're talking about, a lot of people think about how a broadhead will cut through an animal or something, but they don't necessarily think about how it cuts through the air. And then that changes it, like you're saying, just painted a different color. Um, So I would assume, like, what are your thoughts on, I don't know if Rage does them or not, but I know like uh, G5 sends them out. I think Grim Reaper does. I know Schwacker did. I assume Rage does. The, The practice tips for for your arrows, do you say those are fine or just shoot the, shoot the actual broadhead when you're tuning?
1: I, I actually have some practice rage heads. Um, and I don't know that they include them anymore with a pack of, uh, broadheads, okay. but I, I do the lipstick tuning with the practice head. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's close enough in weight right, and uh, shape. Um, and you'll be surprised that when you, increase the, the length of the arrow because the ferrule on those are longer than um like a field point right when you increase it and do have five eighths of diameter in flight with yeah. the blade sucked it still does impact the aerodynamic reaction of the arrow oh, yeah. and they have to fine tune the tuning to get absolute perfect uh flight with those even
2: yep.
1: now one other thing um with the fixed blades is having your blades oriented the same way is very important as well. Mm -hmm. Because you could watch in slow-mo that, you know, if you have them out of rotation, arrow A compared to arrow B, that could lessen the resistance to the air and have a different flight characteristic. So I always like when I'm cutting arrows and going to put the inserts in, I'll I'll screw a broadhead in. And I'll mark the insert and I'll mark the arrow. And I say to myself, okay, when I put the field point on this insert and do my ring of glue around the base of it and twist it and push it in, I want to end up with this mark on this mark. That mm-hmm. way I know my head bro- will be oriented the same way with all the other ones. So that's, that's another really good tip. And that will yeah. just make your groups much more consistent with, with broadheads.
0: Yeah, that is a good point. I say that that probably gets overlooked a bunch, especially if you're talking about buying like just already pre-cut pre-insert arrows off of the Walmart shelf, you're going and screwing a broadhead on who know? you might have four different, uh, they might end up four different ways if you're shooting four arrows. And like you said, that can change things from one arrow to another pretty significantly might be the difference in killing a deer and, and not, or finding him and not.
1: Yeah. Um, and that does put you in a tough situation when they're already, um, when the inserts are already in, yep. uh, there are a lot of heads that sometimes they'll have like an O ring to where you can kind of tighten it a little bit more, or a little bit less. Right. Uh, and that's what I've done in the past. Um, you could also kind of file down the, you know, the top of the inserts, get a little bit more rotation in, mm-hmm. uh, there are some tricks to do to accomplishing that. Um, but if you get two or three that are good, then you should be just fine. Yeah. And I mean, truthfully, I mean, you don't need any more than six arrows to start any hunting season and you should be able to get a couple of them that are close enough to where you can mm-hmm. get the alignment. Perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to skip over, you've mentioned the app a few times. Um, Tell us a little bit or a lot about the app, how you kind of, you said you kind of decided to come up with it just to help people with the whole tuning process and all that. What was your, was that the main driving factor behind it? And then just kind of tell us uh, what, at least give us a a little bit of a insight into what's in the app.
1: Yeah. So, um, I had shootingtime.com for a long time and I still do. That was going to be a hunting show that I was going to do locally here back before hunting shows were what they are now. Right. Um, that 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 kind of fell through, and then I uh, I I continued forward with the competitive archery, and what I found myself doing was going to the ranges just to do a 15 minute thing to my bow, and I would see the results of local pro shops walk, you know, guys with bows that were tuned at local pro shops walk in the door, and they they were just they weren't set up right, so I ended up. You know a 15 minute trip to the archery club or the range would end up being an hour, hour and a half so what i originally did is i put everything that i knew about archery and tuning onto shootingtime.com which there still are a lot of good tips up there um and i did that so you know if i met these people at the range I I could say, hey, the first thing is this and fix your equipment a little bit. And I said, if you need any more help, go check out shootingtime.com. If you've got any questions, feel free to call. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what it started out as, kind of like a pay-it-forward website. As affiliate marketing websites became more prevalent, um, I saw my traffic decrease. And right, right around that same time, I met my developer friend. Uh, through a friend and we're having some pizza and some beer and we're talking about what I do and what he does. And I'm like, dude, I got a great idea for an app. And next thing you know, Bowshot Bible was born. <clears throat> so the main drive behind the Bowshot Bible is to make a more accurate, uh, competitive archer and a more lethal hunter out in the field. And that is by checking off one of the boxes that you need to check off each year. And that is mastering the equipment, mm-hmm. not having equipment to blame so the rundown of what's in the app is first and foremost the bow spec database um that's a database of bow specs and for anybody who works on equipment you need to know the actual axle length that's the main thing to get a bow back into spec but we have the axle axle length and we have the brace height and the ibo speeds at, at a minimum and with some bows we have the string and cable lengths so that's a good resource there then we have the tools tab and we have uh, some really nice ballistic calculators in there, FOC calculators, a stabilizer wizard for the competitive archer, a cause and effect, uh, tweaking cables um, page. So when you are messing with your equipment, you will know what adding a twist to the cable or the string does. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably missing some things. There's a there's a sight tape and pin gap wizard. It's kind of a bare bones thing, but if you set up your bow, uh to be able to hit at 20 and at like let's say 60. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could take a piece of paper transfer those marks and use that tool to fill in the rest of the yardages um and then one of the latest additions is that effective yardage calculator so that is that's very very important we've yeah. already touched but You will be able to put your speed in there and it uses a formula with the speed of sound and the speed of the arrow and the average reaction time of a white-tailed deer we've got that at about a quarter of a second and that can be adjustable Mm -hmm. if you're Hawaii for access deer or going out west for uh, you know down in texas where they might be a little more skittish around feeders so that's going to give you a good idea of you know how far is safe to take a shot now Nothing is ever a hundred percent, but that's going to give you a good idea. And if you're armed with at least that, you're going to have a better chance than some guy that just doesn't know. Because yep. you could have new guy that goes out there and he's got a buck slowly following a doe, and he's at like 40 yards, and he's got to stop him. So does that mat or whistles? Right. and He stops at 40. He's already drawn back, but you know, little did he know that that's outside his effective yardage. And by the time the arrow gets there that deer has dropped and bounded forward, and now it's got a gut shot deer. So that should be an eye opener for a lot of guys going out into the field. Now, below that on the app, we have archery knots. We cover every knot that you need to know how to tie. There's uh, animated GIFs and videos on most of the knots. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you got your installations. It shows you the proper way to install everything that you can put on the bow um and there's a very nice section on first second and third axis of your site and how to set them properly then we jump into one of the best sections of the app is the tuning section Mm -hmm. so that we cover every aspect of tuning i mean it goes down into some very fine tuning processes like creep tuning and torque tuning but It's, and I just put a walkthrough video at the beginning of that, and that should explain that section. There are a few really good uh, links in there. And one of them is understanding arrow flight. And what that does is about an 18 minute video that breaks down everything that we could do to the bow or the arrow and how it affects the dynamic reaction of the arrow in flight. And it shows it at a thousand frames a second. So that's the tricky thing about archery is like, you know you you shoot through paper and you get a certain rip and you know you're supposed to move the rest this way or that way or shim the cams this way or that way but you don't understand why because it happens so fast you can't see it so what this does is it breaks it down and you could actually see what's actually going on so you not only know what to do but you understand why you're doing it so that's that's a nice thing there in the tuning section um, there's a bow tuning timeline that chronologically breaks down the process um, and everything in there that's in bold is actually in the app. So that's just a great reference there. Mm-hmm. And uh, then at the bottom of the page, there is the broadhead tuning. And that's where we, uh, we go over the two different methods of uh, dialing in your broadhead arrow uh, at the range and then with a the lipstick tuning. So we show you the old school way of how to force it to have the same point of impact as a field point but then we show the preferred way of the lipstick tuning and uh and that for anybody that's going to get out and hunt man that is a must see right there
2: yeah absolutely
1: now below the tuning section is the arrow section and we cover everything and anything uh related to dynamic reaction the arrow and arrow building and the three different software programs that are out there there's tutorials on it we really take the mystique out of it and uh, show you how to record the data and how to build that perfect arrow um either the program perfect method to where the program says uh, okay this length with this tip weight this should react perfect for your bow or we start with that and we do a cut and trim method to where we really really dial that arrow into your particular setup um the one thing about the app that's kind of tough for me to explain to people when I'm doing these shows or like a tech event mm-hmm. is you know there's so much in the app and to try to explain it uh to people it's tough it'd be a lot easier if there was only like three or four things but literally there is over 2 years worth of work uh initially into making this app and there's so much in there that uh it is so beneficial especially if you're going to do this for for a long period of time you need to learn how to master your equipment and these here are the tools yeah especially, especially with the pro shop shutting down i mean i know in mm-hmm. our state we've lost probably around 10. um you've gotta be able to learn how to do this i mean if you want to be as good as you can be
0: yeah yeah no doubt um, no doubt yeah
1: and- The only the last thing I'll say is that Mm -hmm. there's there's a bonus section to where we have some in app only podcasts where I talk to guys like Nick cappers, who's a professional archer, Mm -hmm. Tim Gillingham. Uh, we had a whitetail hunting consultant on there that that was a great talk there. Um, I do some product spotlights, some do it yourself projects and uh, some bow spotlights as well. We also do a monthly zoom meeting, which we had it last night. Um, every month guys could click on the link from the bonus section and join us at seven o'clock, third Thursday of the month. And we could talk tuning. We could find out about what's coming up with the app, uh, new sections that are coming about. Yeah. It's really a good way to uh, have some good discussions. And that's also a venue to where I'm going to have some professional archers come on in and some professional hunters as well. So guys that have been proven out in the field. So yeah, that's it. So there's actually more than that, but yeah, you know, I know we're limited here. But that's a good explanation of what the app has to offer, and that's also available as a subscription monthly. It's three dollars and ninety-nine cents, so less than a cup of coffee and a donut. Uh, kind kind of makes sense. I I, I priced it low so mm-hmm. the, the average hunter can can afford it, and if uh, it's something that you know, they have for a month or two and they're like, Okay, I think I got it. Then they could cancel it and that's that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, if you guys are out there and you're wanting to learn how to tune your bow or you're needing some help with it, for sure download the Bow Shop Bible app um, and check that out. And if you got any questions, I'm sure um there's is there a section in there where they can get a hold of you for that?
1: yeah on, on the app itself the about tab you click on that and then there's a, a feedback link
0: which you could leave feedback
1: directly from the app that will go directly to me we also have uh, a facebook page bow bible and we have a facebook group so the group is where people can jump on and post questions about anything that they're having problems with and uh, they they get help very quickly
0: yep awesome man well hey I appreciate you coming in, taking the time out of your day to do this and talk about this. I definitely want to have you back on again so we can get even more in-depth on some of this stuff. But uh, I thought that was really good. I think that's going to help people out. And, again, uh, thanks for coming on, man.
1: No problem at all, man. I do appreciate you having, having me on.
0: Absolutely. All right, man. We'll see you. All right, Ken. Thank you.